you are listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. You can find us at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Happy listening. So in preparing this message, I was reminded, I mean, really where we're at at the minute is this Omicron, which sounds more like a transformer, doesn't it, than Omicron. Um, but we're all really waiting for this. Where's this going to go? What does it mean? And we were having a conversation heading to man night. Well, is it, is it all changed now if you're close contact? Yeah, yeah. Said, what? Like, what, what does it all mean? So in preparing this this morning, I was reminded of all of the things that we couldn't do last year. Last year, there was a message that I recorded. Uh, we, we sent out uh, takeaway vouchers. We had a meal with another family or another couple of people, and then we did a quiz all together. I would far rather be standing here. So let's be thankful for where we are, no matter where it goes. And the word that, uh, and, or that Aaron gave this morning about, really, he's our hope. Because if you're like me in school, they were all the teachers walking around saying, oh, today's the day if you catch Corona now, if you catch it now, that's your Christmas rain. That's your Christmas, just rain, it's rain, it's rain, it's rain, it's rain, it's rain. And I, I do pretty well with holding all those thoughts captive. But to be honest, it was just, you were walking around, you know, you wanted to walk around like this. And doing, being an art technician, you, you, you have to carry things and give things to people. And I thought, well, he's still in the throne. That's really the reality at the end of it. If you're going to resist that reality, then it's a lot of hassle and stress and worry and anxiety and, oh, what's it going to be? And just, it just really, do we want to be bothered with all that? So there's many things that it looks like we're restricted in and could be restricted in further. But let's be grateful for where we are and what we can do and the fact that there is some warm food that we're going to get to enjoy together. Um, and I get to preach to you, whether you like that or not. You are my captive audience for the next half hour or so. How many Pinterest fans do we have here? I would imagine that there are very few men. Are there any men that have a Pinterest account that are present here? And call, <laughs> Yes, you're not alone. I have one. I use it in work all the time. Great for inspiration. Um, and they give you the random things that come up. So, you know, you're maybe, I don't know what you would be looking for, interior stuff, or if you're getting married, there's wedding boards. And have you seen my wedding board? No, it's not this one. Uh, anyway, I was uh, just scrolling through Pinterest, and they have some fantastic quotes. And the quote said, um, I sat with anger long enough until she told me her real name, and her real name was Grief. And I just stopped. thought, oh my goodness. If there's anything that Christmas says to us, it's that everything is not as it seems. This whole story that we're going to unpack a bit about Jesus and how he came, I mean, really, it's kind of ended up in folklore now where it's all, oh, do you remember? Oh, can do you remember the bit where Joseph nearly didn't marry her? And do you remember? And there was, oh, wasn't there lovely donkeys? And when they're born in a stall? And for them, the reality of their experience was really pretty disappointing. It wasn't exactly what they imagined it would be. And I'm sure Joseph didn't imagine that his virgin would be pregnant. There's a story to tell. We're here because a baby was born in a shed in a no-good town thousands of miles away thousands of years ago. And love came down at Christmas and thankfully it never left, or he never left. All that we are, all that we've taught, every little bit of it is because he came. And not only did he come, but he lived his life in all its fullness. Then he chose to yield to the Father's will and died. And then he was resurrected. And many, many people have been resurrected since him, but none have been resurrected quite like him. So shall we read some of the familiar verses? 
Let's see what happens. When I begin to hear these, I, I'm just transported to a thousand and one Christmases that have gone before. Isaiah 9. The people walking in, I feel like I should put on a, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. John 1. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Matthew 2, 1-12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. And Luke 19:10, The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Do you feel like you've found some of yourself this year at all? And if that's not true, that's okay. That's all right. As long as we're real and we're honest about where we're at, we can say, can you come and help me find myself and find him and what he wants to do with us? Jesus came quietly and in hiddenness through a teenage version. His cot was an animal trough. His mother's fiance, his stepdad, was tempted to break off his engagement to his mother because of the shame of her pregnancy. And yet the poverty of the situation Christ was born in was the sign of his majesty. Now, if you had a pipe and you like to smoke it, I would say, put that in it and away you go. Because really God's saying that sometimes the poverty, I know that was a terrible analogy, sometimes the poverty and difficulty of the situation is the very sign that he's present. And most of us are waiting for it all to come together in this beautiful fashion and it just looks wonderful and peace is surrounding it. And actually God is saying, if you look hard enough, you'll find me in the places that you're repulsed in. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And this should tell you something about how God likes to do things. And we're part of this kingdom where the first is last and the last is first, where you give away to hold on to things. And Christmas reminds us that all is not as it seems. Let me give you that quote again. I sat with anger long enough until she told me her true name and it was grief. Are we willing to sit with Christmas long enough until we hear the true name of Jesus Christ spoken to us by his spirit? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. And that's Isaiah 55. God moves in ways that can be missed, but cannot be mistaken. And if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, we can see how God likes to do things never clearer than through the circumstances surrounding the birth of his son. And maybe the circumstances that we're in are telling us something about Jesus. Maybe they're designed to bring all of the stuff that's hidden under the normal life that we have at Christmas time and bring it to the fore. And maybe we can say to him, I'm going to yield myself to you in the presence of your son in these circumstances. And I've thought about, well, what if, what if I get coronavirus again? What if I have to isolate for the third time? Am I going to buck and kick off and get annoyed and try and reason and try and, you know, step out of the things that I'm responsible and I should do? Or do I just yield myself and go, well, God, you knew exactly what would happen. You're still sovereign and I can trust you. 
And maybe there's a gift present in those circumstances that I might not normally want to receive. But when it comes to that place, he's there right with me. We're all afraid of something, aren't we? We're afraid of what it could look like or what we're going to be denied of or where this is going to go. And yet he is still on the throne. Here's some prophecies that were fulfilled in the details of his birth. So Micah 5.2 tells us the place of his birth. Isaiah 7.14 about the virgin birth. Isaiah 7.14 again, his divine name. Psalm 72.10-11 talks about the presentation of gifts to him. Jeremiah 31.15 about the massacre of the children after his birth. Hosea 11.1, his escape into Egypt. Matthew 2.23, his residence in Nazareth. Isaiah 53, 2, his childhood poverty. Isaiah 1, 1 to 2, his spirit-filled nature from birth. And in Luke 3, 23 to 38, Luke's genealogy right back to Adam. If you're, if you're anything like me, when you start reading down through it, you get a little bit bored because it's all these names that are hard to pronounce and they're not really familiar to you. But I was uh, researching into that and actually a book that I'm reading at the minute by an author, Ken Garr, who I would heartily recommend he said that one of the people that is cited is his mother or the lineage of the mother Bathsheba. And it says that G David took Bathsheba to be his wife, who was formerly the wife of Uriah. And David had orchestrated for Uriah to be murdered. Their first child was lost and the second child that they had was Solomon. And Solomon is cited as being in the lineage in one of the forefathers of Jesus Christ. Can we just stop there? Do you feel like you have messed up your life in any shape or form? And yet God says, I'm going to put them there because you're not going to stop what he's going to do with your life by the mistakes that you make. It's a good story, isn't it? And it's a real story and it's good news. So Christmas reminds us that all is not lost. And I am sure and confident that there are many here thinking, I screwed up here and I screwed up there and I screwed up massively there. And I'm feeling as a parent, I'm feeling as a husband or a wife, I'm not a great, you know, all of the things that we listen to, make agreement with and vocalize out of our mouths, out of the thing that God says has the power of life or death. And in the Christmas story, God proudly puts his son David and the mistakes that he made, not that sin is okay. But God is certainly proud of the work that he can do when a man stays yielded to the presence of his spirit. God gets the job done. He gets it done. And Christmas is full of hope because God works out his perfect plan in the middle of what seems like a total mess. Any amens to that? Yeah. God will get his plan accomplished in the middle of the mess. The mess that you've made, that I've made, that's been made by others that's been left to us and has affected us. It doesn't all depend on you or I. It most certainly depends on him. And everyone in the Christmas story is seeking something. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's Luke 19.10. Everything that was lost by taking the fruit of a tree was taken back by his death on a tree. We had worship practice this week and Ashley was talking about, what did you call them, those circular moments when everything comes full circle and if you wait long enough in your life God will bring things around to full circle and bring some healing into them 
So what was lost on a tree was gained back on a tree. For as all in Adam die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And that's 1 Corinthians 15, 22. The wise men, they were looking to the heavens and watching beyond their current circumstances. But now they were astrologers. I'm not really okay with astrology because it often points, points to demonic influence. But God laid hold of their craft and pointed to a star and their journey towards that star journeyed, to, journeyed them to the presence of the King of Kings. They recognized this star, made their journey, offered their gifts and opened up their treasuries and offered their gifts to him. And you and I have got to recognize what God's doing in its, in its infancy, even in us. We've got to learn to see the duties of a king in the role of a shepherd boy. So take a moment. Is there anywhere in your life that you think there is the infancy of something great, great happening? Maybe you wouldn't think that something great would ever happen through you. But what if it did? What if there's the possibility of a book or the possibility of a painting or something that you need to offer to somebody or something that's in your heart to do for the marginalized or the, the poor or just those that are around you or a conversation that you need to have? If you can recognize the king in his infancy, then you'll take care of him and you'll bring him to maturity in your life. Vincent van Gogh was once asked, would his paintings be better when he was older? And he said, it'll be the same apple, only riper. So this Christmas, open up your eyes and see the infancy of the king in your life. The shepherds, the lowliest job of the day, like the cleaners that come in, and yet God held an angelic choral concert in front of them, specifically and deliberately sharing the news of the birth of his son with them. When the angel showed up to announce his birth and a choir of angels start singing, then they sought the king and the shepherds went to meet the shepherd. So your circumstances don't dictate your identity. Whose you are defines everything. And it is hard whenever you lose a job or something happens or you lose some of your faculties or what you were and the best fit that you put forward was somehow amputated by life. But it's not really about those things. It's about whose we actually are. And like I said at the start, and you all give your amen to, he is still on the throne. And we forget that. And we need to be honest, we do. Life goes well. Business goes great. Relationships are prospering. Everything's hunky-dory. And we kind of don't need him as much. And then when it all comes crashing down, we're stuck going, oh, what am I? And what is this? And he's still standing there, still the father, still with the arms open out, still saying, you're mine. Mary and Joseph, they were seeking somewhere for Jesus to be born and they were doing their best. They were doing their best. They were just doing their best and it was good enough. Here's a Christmas gift for you this year. Good enough. Can you lay hold of that this Christmas? For those of you who it has to be perfect, has to be just right. Just right? Oh, just right. And people celebrate these things. Oh, I need everything to be, oh, I need everything to be perfect. That's going to run out of road. You're going to be deeply disappointed. What if God says sometimes, that's good enough? Can you say good enough with him? And if your Christmas turns out to be totally derailed, will it be good enough? Will that be? 
You'd think because it was God's son that there would have been a room and a space, a midwife, fresh towels. You'd think that God would have provided. But we need to die to our expectations that if it's God or because it's God, it'll look a certain way. A census was called and they had to make this awful journey and surely it couldn't be so hard. And yet we cite this story every year at Christmas time, the circumstances that surrounded the situation of the birth of Jesus Christ. Often what initially frustrates us is what ultimately fulfills us. And Mary and Joseph remind us that when we give God our yes to what God is asking us to do, and when we hold on, something great happens. Herod was seeking to protect his position. The presence of this child raised up fear in the tyrant, and he started to manipulate and deceive and kill. He ordered the slaughter of all the male infants, I think it was under two, and that's how the enemy works, still kill, kill and destroy. When Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he'd learned from the Magi. He defended his kingdom rather than yielding himself to the presence of the King of Kings. And we know that the presence of Jesus isn't always welcome. So you and I have got to choose to yield ourselves to the reign of the King of Kings in our lives or else we'll manipulate We'll start to try and make things and gently just twist it this way and that way so that our kingdoms won't be affected. But the king of kings is here and we get to choose whether we're going to yield to him or not and whether we give him our keys to the life that we have and the kingdoms that we've built. And in return, he gives us his keys to his kingdom. Would you like those keys this morning? The keys to the kingdom of heaven. And thankfully, It's not all on us. Let me read this to you. And then after I've read this, could I ask the worship collective to come up? You've shattered the yoke of their burdens, the bar across their shoulders, and the rod of their oppressor. For every trampling bit of battle and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fire, fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders." And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He'll reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The seal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And that's Isaiah 9, 4 to 7. The enemy would have you and I carry the weight of the world or else we choose to abdicate responsibility for what we have responsibility for. And Jesus was born, lived, died, and was resurrected. And just as Isaiah said, he shattered the yoke that burdened us and the bar of oppression across our shoulders. And Jesus was the one who took the government upon his. So it doesn't all depend on us. So if you're here this morning and you do feel pretty oppressed and you feel that there's a lot on your shoulders, well, I want to remind you about the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because what the cross does is shatters the weight of the world from your shoulders and points to the one who is carrying it. Do we realize that we no longer have to labor under oppression to the voices that tell us that we should have 
and we could do and we must do better? Do we realize that the yoke has been shattered and so is the bar across our shoulders? He is now the governor. His government never stops increasing and always brings peace and his shoulders are made to carry whatever we cannot. So I mean that really seriously. If you're here today and you just feel under it, you're carrying it, you're under the weight of something, well, this morning you need to recognize, and I mean that, recognize that it's not yours to carry. Stand with God as we worship this morning and let him settle for you what you're responsible for and what is not yours to carry. And see his shoulders because they're much stronger and broader. And even more importantly, it's his to carry. So the invitation this Christmas is to let the king rule and let peace flow from his leadership in our lives. And our responsibility is to let him lead. So the last thing I want to say to you is, may his kingdom come more in your life this Christmas. And may peace be released in, on and around you. Can I ask you to stand with me? If this is your first time here with us, then we always uh, preach to a response and I've got some questions to help you to do that. So do you need to receive hope this morning that God is actually accomplishing His will in the middle of any messes in your life or in the mess that the world is in at the minute? Secondly, do you need to stop and understand what you're really seeking this Christmas? Maybe that quote really hit you this morning about anger and anger's real name being grief. And then finally, do you need to realize that it's not all on you this Christmas? If you can answer yes to any of those questions, then please come and join me now at the front. Just keep your masks on. We're going to worship for a time. And then once we've worshiped, we're going to corporately you have been listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. Remember to check us out at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk and have a great week.